Welcome to another episode of the Wood Couture podcast. Continue our series of women in business. We have the pleasure and the honor to host Vera Dickerman, the founder and CEO of XO Atelier. Welcome to the show. Yes, thank you. Welcome. For our friends of the podcast, the one that do not know Vera, unfortunately for you, is that Vera has more than two decades of interior architectural experience, graduated as an engineer, then went on and worked for legends such as David Link, New York, Matteo Thun, DWP, but not only that, Marriott, Fermont, Raffles. So Vera has an incredible world-class experience. So, and we're gonna hear all about it right now. And uh, I want to start with you, Vera, by something you quoted in a recent interview. 23 years ago, nobody will want to hire a female architect. They look like an intern. So I turned to the interior side yes. of things. Yes. Tell me true. a bit more. So now it's 24 years already, so 24 years ago. And uh, I had a project, and it's very funny because I, I came to this project, so it was for one of my friends who was a developer, and a client bought two apartments and he wanted to connect them. And uh, I, I arrived at this meeting, I was already sitting in the meeting room, and then we did not start it. And I said, so what are we waiting for? And then the client said, like, we're waiting for the architect. And I was like, I'm here. Oh, I thought you're the intern. So, uh, uh, and that was a quite difficult start. Of, I mean, first of all, I always looked much younger. Now I'm nearly 48 and I'm still quite in a good condition. But I mean, when you're like uh, 24 years ago, so you're 24 and you look like, I don't know, you're 18. Uh, it's very complicated to, to get this kind of uh, trust of people and uh, the recognition for your job and that you are not just a nice little head and young, very young, uh, so they, they trust you with the work and also with budgets and money, right? So, I mean, they give you quite a lot of money and putting the responsibility in your hand. And uh, that's uh, not easy. So, and then construction was just, uh, I mean, architecture, engineering was very complicated for me to, to get my foot on the ground. So no one really wanted me there. I mean, it's really very complicated. And during the time, I think, even in Germany, because it's really a very men-driven job, 24 years ago. So it was just like, you know, we got more and more interior projects and then it turned out to be the interior. And then I focused on this. So and now, I mean, now we do, of course, also still architecture, but very little and more um, bespoke and very selective for just some selective clients. But overall, it's the interior. And of course, over the time and over the history with all the companies and, and designers and studios, um, I focused also on it and also on the production design side. I mean, like, uh, I mean, you know, Matteo Thun is, is also a multi-talent. So he's an architect, he's an engineer as well, but he worked as interior designer. Of course, it's very famous. Mm. I mean, he won several times the Cador, which is like the Oscar for, for architecture. And um, he's also very much into product design because he's together with uh, uh, Rodriguez and, and, and they do products, I mean, for big, big brands, right? And, and it's quite interesting because that was more or less the point where I saw also how it works and how you develop those things and how you do prototyping and, and, and this kind of bits and pieces and how it comes together, how also you make your project quite unique and not just the kind of off the shelf or a Pinterest copy. I mean, it's, we all work with this, right? We all know. 
But through, through your journey, you know, obviously from yeah. the first year, have you had somebody that you looked up like, that's my mentor? I didn't have a mentor, but I had an idol, and that's very funny because when I studied, I loved Matteo too. And I, well, I still, I mean, still love him, but it's in a different way. I, I think it, it was more this kind of ideal, uh, idol thinking, you know, like, I mean, if, you, uh, if you're in music, you maybe have a rock star you like, and if you're in art, you have an artist you like. And, and for me, it was when I, I, I remember very well, so I was studying, and I, you know, you saw these amazing um, pictures of him in magazines, and, and I was like, I really loved his style, this modern, but still cozy, very sleek and minimalistic but on point and also his way when he I mean when he took over a swatch as art director it was for me I mean uh, we all know in the 80s I mean swatch was I mean mind-blowing or Memphis when he um, opened Memphis group for mm -hmm. me it was really like wow and I was always like oh I want to work for him I want to work for him and I mean during this time I mean you graduate and you're like oh I want to work for him I mean, then I worked for, my, for David uh, Ling, and he's still a good friend of mine, which is also quite funny. And, um, but then, out of a sudden, there was this, um, when I left uh, Fairman Ruffles, there was this announcement on design jobs, and it was from Studio Matteo Thun, and I was just like, okay, let's, let's apply for it. <laughs> and uh, a week later, I got, uh, a, I got an email and an invitation to an interview. And um, so I went there, and it's quite funny when it's for you, so like, your, 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 yeah, it's your idol, your, your, your person you look so up and then you end up and you see the studio, you see the name outside on the wall and it's really like, oh my God, you know, like it's, uh, That's it's crazy. Me, yeah. yeah, and you think like, oh my God, you know, I dreamt about this moment and now I have the wow. moment to go there and I meet this person in reality. And uh, that's quite interesting. And then I and then I rejected his offer. <laughs> that was even more interesting. <laughs> and uh, then um, yeah, we of course we found a way to come together. But uh, first I rejected it, and it's uh, yeah very fun. But it was great to work there because I think it's a, a complete different experience of working with someone who's so established and over such a long time of years. Uh, in such an incredible quality of, of uh, level of projects, you know, I mean, there's a lot of many designers who are on the market for a long time, but there's always an up and down in their design quality. And I think what, what I mean, what I think is the excellence of, of people like Antonio Citerio or Patricia Kiola or Matteo Thun is the excellence of projects, that they just have a quite high level in it. That's very interesting. And I mean, he just did last year um, for El Decor, he did a kind of project, a hospitality project, was an installation in Italy. Um, for me, this was like, you know, really on point. And I know now he's an old, he's an old gentleman, of course, uh, a bit more um, elderly. <laughs> I hope he doesn't hear it. <laughs> in a positive way. Of course. Uh, still in a good shape and good looking. But also, I think, also very close to trends and um, feeling for style, shape, development of stuff like this. And this is sometimes, you know, I think a lot of designers, they tend to be lazy on one point because you reach a certain level and then you don't evoke and you don't develop, um, develop anymore further and I think what I always admired with him is the way of how approach a design and how he approach projects also how I learned this kind of um, vision between things so how you create and how you design mm -hmm. in the concept of it without copying you know you can take images from Pinterest of course 
uh, as an inspiration, but you take them in a different way. Um, for example, I mean, if I look now at this glass and you see this incredible kind of curve inside, which has also a reflection of the water on the surface and on the topping, you're a bit like, okay, that could be a cool lamp, right? So, I mean, so these are things we are looking in different ways or the color of it and how it breaks and the little ripples and things like this. So this is more how I see platforms like this or... Um, all these kind of co collective platforms of images. What was uh, the best advice he gave you? The best advice he gave me, stay as I am. And um, But the best advice I got from one of my other bosses, uh, which is, uh, unfortunately, he passed away, um, was Gunther Spitzler. He was very big in, um, he had an agency for exhibition design. And he did uh, all the big booth for um, Lufthansa Expo 2000 and also uh, car industry like Ford and Opel. And, and he once said to me, you know, never settle for less and do not, um, do not accept mainstream, be better. So um, I, I remember I did once a design and he completely killed it. Like uh, we had a, actually we had the handover the day later and he said like, no, that's not good. And, and I was, why? And he said, no, it's not good. And he didn't really. And then I was like, why is it not good? He said, you can do better. And I don't want you to settle for mainstream. You're so much better. Go this way. And uh, he also uh, was the one telling me, you know, you're good here, but you should change. So I literally worked for him, um, I worked for him twice. I worked for him, it was my first job when I graduated. Um, and we did uh, Lufthansa, we, uh, one of my first jobs. So I did Lufthansa Expo uh, during that time with him. And uh, then I came back to him, like uh, more or less than uh, 11 years later, 12 years later, I came back to him. But I was only with him for a half year and then he said to me, I want you to look for another position. I want you to go, Th this is not your place, you should, go and find something else, rise, it's not the place, you don't settle here. That was quite, um, and he was uh, over a long time, so we kept contact and then over a long time we had conversations also over design and if he likes it and I uh, shared images with him and render and things. So he was a good advisor, I think, a very good and, and tough person. So I met him, that's very funny because I was still literally studying, it was my last, I, I um, um, was a participant on a um, competition um, and uh, the one, uh, the jury member was actually Zahadid and he was also one of the jury members and I um, joined this competition and uh, so I met him at the award ceremony because I, I won the third, but not the best, but he came to me and he said I was supposed to be the winner and then he offered me a job. <laughs> <laughs> so that was like, uh, you know, <laughs> quite interesting, a very good person, very charismatic and I learned this, that you actually, um, you earn, you know, like when a person comes in a room and talks about design and he literally owns the room, that was his way of um, talking about design and talking about his designs and talking about the way he sees it. It was very passionate and, and lots behind it. Very um, big mover. Unfortunately, we lost him two years ago, but still good memory. <laughs> Uh, I want to build upon that one, and uh, and uh, because you are an artist, 
you know, you are a real artist, and also family, one of your family members, and, uh, your mum is an artist, and, uh, and you also have a gallery in uh, Belgium, or you're... I'm, in a, I'm or, listed in a gallery yeah. in, in yeah. Belgium and New York, yes, Gallery Filia, yeah. yes, we but, are. But I, I was uh, blown away by the, there is a quote at the bottom of your profile on the website that says that uh, I want to make beautiful things even if nobody cares. Yes. What, tell me a bit more why you chose this. Eh? I chose this because sometimes I think people don't really care about the beauty of things. It's, sometimes it's very mainstream or when you above your time, you know, people do not appreciate what you create. I mean, we, we, when you think about designers like um, uh, Le Corbusier or Charlotte Perignon, uh, they designed stuff like uh, they did, right? And we all appreciate them now, but now we appreciate them and it's like 70 years later. And you need to think about the time when they created it in the 30s. I mean, how must people felt when they looked at this very minimalistic chairs, but actually everything was decorated, was in carved, was, you know, ornaments and elements. And I mean, just think about the cars, how they have been in the 30s. They have been curved around and, you know, very opulent. And then there comes someone and thinks like, you know, this is now the new design language and I do it like this and, and you should like it. Um, I think for them it was also very difficult. And, um, I guess most of the industry didn't really care about them. Now, of course, they are quite celebrated and we like it. But I think it's for, for, your, own, uh, for your own history and your own, I mean, legend is maybe too much, but I mean, I, I think it's what, what you want to achieve. You leave something behind it. And I mean, if I go to places we created, like for example, the Grey now here in Dubai, I, I really like it a lot. I, I love to be there. I like to see the artwork on the wall and I like to see people who enjoy it. I love it when I have like whatever, a group of locals sitting there and they're so happy and then someone introduces you to them and they are like, wow, um, this is so incredible. I love this place. I could live here. You know, that's a huge honor for me. I mean, of I course. think it's, it's amazing. So, and um, creating public spaces is a bit more thankful because you get this direct feedback of people immediately or more or less immediately because mm -hmm. you can also hear it, right? Because you can go there and just uh, get the big elephant ears. And, and if you do a private, it's, it's, more, it's more hidden. It's also more complicated because if you create for private, I, li I like also to create for private people, but in this case, you are a bit like a bird with, with tied up wings. Like, you know, because you don't create for, for your own creativity, you create for the person who's going to move into this place. So except they maybe understand you fully and they hire you because of your own creativity, you're a bit like, uh, you know, like, I mean, no, it's like this, no, it's like this, no, I don't like that color, no, I like this, you know. And in the end, you're so limited, it's like you're walking to a labyrinth. So that's, you know, also, of course, good. And I, I mean, I'm, I 100% um, appreciate this. But sometimes limitation or if you, if you cut the wings of a designer too much, it's very complicated for you to create. No? Crea right. Creativity of needs, uh, we always say like you need the wings to fly. I mean, if you don't have them anymore, it's quite uh, challenging to create something cool. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, then you have, you know, you have so <coughs> many limitations. You have, I mean, we have municipality limitations, one thing. Then you have budget limitations. Then you have, uh, I don't know, client taste and limitations. And if they don't trust you, it's very complicated. But if you have a client who trusts you, it's amazing. 
I mean, that's the thing we, we, we love and we wish. I mean, I'm, I'm quite lucky and I have some clients who really do so and they let us this kind of freedom, creative freedom and space. Mm -hmm. And then it's good. And now, of course, we also have some brands. We, we start working with brands on, on products. And, and this, of course, gives you space and freedom, which is quite good. I mean, we're working with, a, um, with an Asian brand and we work on a glass collection of furniture, which hopefully, I mean, COVID made all very slow and all delayed all. But we're um, trying to push it out for 2022. So. Well, uh, I hope people let you fly more and more because uh, you came to the Middle East, what, just under two years? Mm, I was here oh. before. I came yeah. to the Middle East. But let's say permanent yes. with an office and yes. uh, more yes. settled, let's yes. call it. Yes. But within the first year, not only you get in the top 50 designer in the Middle East, not only you get on the ID power list, but your restaurants, the Top Room, wins the Global Restaurant Award. Yes, we won. Right. Yes. So you come in, you conquer. Yes. Very simple. That's very so what is the secret of winning this kind of... Being a Sagittarius. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, we cannot yeah. change where we were born, you know. In Take the target. Yeah, it's a... No, what I, does it I, take I to create such award-winning places? The 23 years before? Experience. Yes, I think so. Look, I mean, look, I mean, it looks so easy when you then design and everything comes easy to you and fast and you do it like tong, tong, tong and people think, oh, you know, that's easy. But this easy comes due to all this experience. I mean, you said a few of it, like all these stations in my CV, this kind of crazy ups and downs. I mean, look, it looks like it's only up, right? But I mean, like, you know, you're with a company, you lose the job maybe, or your position has been redundant. It's not just up, up, up. I mean, it looks like, but it's not. You know, there's maybe uh, you rise up and then there comes the big wall against you and then you fall. And you fall deep because you, you think you're on the, the way of success. And then out of a sudden, there's a company uh, a change. And then they tell you, you know, your position is not existing. So from next month on, you're not with us anymore. We pay you out. Good luck. And we can assist you. But, you know, that's not always the case. And I think it's just like all this summary of all these stations in your life. And, of course, countries. I'm very privileged. I worked um, more or less, except of South America. I worked everywhere in the world, like because I had a global position with uh, Fairman Ruffles. So I worked from Middle East, America, uh, Europe, of course. I worked in the whole um, Russian and the East uh, European region. Um, I have seen all these countries and, of course, also um, the heritage of those countries. And, of course, also here. And Asia, Asia was my biggest market. So I have seen cities in Asia. I've never heard from them before. So, I mean, I've been in, in Asian uh, cities, I guess you don't even know them. So, and, and we traveled for many weeks uh, to that region. So I met all these amazing local clients and we had local teams and we worked with all the um, other design teams, right? I mean, I was in charge of leading teams like HBA and uh, Leonard and uh, Leonardo and, and, and I mean, many, many teams. I, and you have this incredible, I mean, position to meet them, to meet the owners, to get all this kind of impact of the regions with all the kind of, you know, what you should do, what you should not do. You know, I mean, you're in a big brand which, which supports you massively. And it's great because you get all this kind of stray, um, um, different influences, style and, and, uh, and also, um, you know, 
social background, but also, I mean, you know, it's different. We all know, right? I mean, here yes. you cannot build in the same way like you can build in Europe because they will not understand. Asians would not understand the same way like, like we would do in Europe. I, we had a, I know that the standards and specification book of Swissotel, which I was part of to develop it, there is a sentence in like, um, um, like, you know, it's about uh, um, less is more. So less is more, and we had a Chinese client, and it's so funny, and he always said, no, no less is more, more is more. And, and you know, but he was assigned to, to get a Swiss hotel. And, and then you need to explain them that literally this kind of purism, uh, minimalism is, is, is luxury. And, but for them, luxury is luxury, right? I mean, you know, they have been living in poor for several centuries. So for them, richness is rich. So they want to show off and they want to do. And then you have to tell them, no, no, you can't do this, you can't do that, you can't do that. It's a very um, difficult position uh, you're in. And, uh, but we, we managed. And I mean, I, I think uh, sometimes also you have to tell design teams off and you have to tell them, look, this doesn't work. I, I like your approach. You say things as they are. And, uh, and uh, you, you are an advocate of um, making things bespoke from artwork to furniture, so creative, unique, yes. original yes. experiences. Genuine. But yes. how is the industry actually practicing, in your opinion, on, on this, on this uh, kind of bespoke concept? I think, I mean, uh, I mean in the industry in terms of clients? No, no the design industry. Does they always, do they always create original uh, design or wh what is the illness of the industry right now? I think, yeah, I mean, I think it depends, right? It's also, it depends, first of all, I mean, the industry, the production industry is sometimes, it's about numbers. For us, it's always a bit complicated to say, look, we want to produce whatever, only 20 or 40 chairs. Um, that's, of course, tricky because yes. it's, it's, it's a low number, and we all know. Uh, usually it's like 100, 150 pieces, then they start to do bespoke. Um, but if we, um, I mean, light, we produce even one. Um, of course, then they are more expensive, but um, it depends. I think clients are very thankful for this because they get this unique moment of um, um, attention. Because you know you have something unique in your space. It's like an art installation. So and and they um, agree on this to do it. But of course, it has a lot of. I mean, for us, it's always lots of uh, convincing sometimes, and also trust because you know we don't have a ready photo. It's a bespoke item. It's literally you need to decide on on a on a render, on a maybe a form model. Sometimes we do form models, mm -hmm. but that's how you have to decide on. And then you have to have the own imagination to think, okay, how does it look then if it's golden? How does it look when it's whatever colored? You know, the light installation we did with Lasvit years ago, um, the client never saw it ready till the moment it was hanging. Wow. So that's but he trusts the artist, which is you, right? Yes, but you know that's quite tricky as a as a part because there was not enough time to do so. And of course, we know, like you, I mean, you know better, I guess, than I do because you're also in the furniture industry. Um, production of mock-ups take time, and and it's not just a quick thing and quick fix for for a project to do this. I mean, we we developed this armchair, the island for for um, techno. Uh, which is still under discussion, but you know, then it's about, I mean, developing this prototype costs a lot of money and a lot of effort. And, and for this, we actually need a signed project. So that's why it's currently on hold. And then of course, COVID was not helpful for none of us because mock-up, you know, we have to go there and we have to check them. 
So a mock-up review is not possible over a video. I can't do this because I need to sit on it. I need to see proportions. So it's very, um, uh, very important to fly and to go. I mean, luckily now we can all go again and see things and products. But um, I think the industry is more and more open. I mean, furniture industry also. I mean, we get more offers to work as designer on, on product and on um, specific new items. Mm. But I think in general, it's, it's not easy if you're a new name in the industry. For, 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 for I mean, we are still a new name, even if we won awards. We are a new studio. We are not very big. I mean, we are young for this. Even if I'm 23 years in the industry or 24 now, we are young studios. It's, it's like, you know, I'm not Piero Lissoni. I'm not sending my card out and everybody jumps. But uh, you, you obviously take a lot of time. You are an artist, so you create a lot of time to create original, bespoke environments, yes. right? Yes. And then you go in front of the client and the first word you hear from the other side, value engineering. How does it make you feel? We are pretty keen on not value engineer, so on our projects. Or if we value engineer, we are in control of it. So I'm very involved in our projects from the moment we design them till the end. So um, I think that might be very unique for the region specific, also for other regions, but we really try to, um, to keep it aligned, as you sa uh, said, and, and because I think it's very important that you can um, stay in it to guarantee exactly this, because materials are very important, execution is very important, and, and a little change on something can mess up the whole design. But it's incredible, you know, we advocate about design integrity, but more and more and more, the word value engineering pops up everywhere. So how do you prevent it from that from happening? You, you can, I mean, if you, you cannot, I mean, I'm not a fit out company, so. Um, no, but as a designer, I, as a, from client chopping you, your design. Yeah, you can always say, I'm then I leave you. <laughs> <laughs> so no compromise, like your mentor, never compromise. Don't. <laughs> no, I'm very good at the drama, actually. I learned, I tried this, you, you know. This, no, uh, I'm not taking this any longer. I'm leaving you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I think in the end you have to say no. I mean, you know, there's a certain point of limitations. And I mean, you have like this eye-catching elements in, in a project where you have to, these ones you have to protect, like they're your, your own flesh and blood. And then you can maybe, you know, you can maybe negotiate on other things. Yes, like telling a painter, hey, the Mona Lisa needs to look she more beautiful, you know, like, like a Barbie doll, you know. It just <laughs> it's not really working like this, right? I think exactly. that's the, yeah, I mean, in the end, you know, they, they have to decide then if, you, if they want to let you go or if they want to stay with you. Yeah. Hey. We have one client I actually resigned Come. already three times. Wow. <laughs> but they probably come back all the he time. Always because comes back. <laughs> he always comes <laughs> back. He cannot do without you. I don't you. say come the on. name now. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's a, but he cannot do without you. He, has, yeah, he, he you knows know, the value it's you like bring. A, it's like a love-hate relationship. It's right. a bit like a friend of mine said he knows us both and he said, you know, your relationship is worse than every marriage. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very expensive club to join, but even more expensive to I leave. Think, so. yeah, yeah, but you Maybe a marriage is more expensive, I don't know. Yeah, I wanted to ask you, um, uh, since I, I love uh, your straightness, you know, I mean, on answer, yes. but uh, the, the very, the very th first thing I referred at the very beginning, saying, hey, 23 years ago, I don't think nobody would have 
you know, take me on as that. But um, I see also that the fact that um, there is a very hot topic right now in, in the industry and this gender equality. Yeah. You know, I mean, how do you think is the design industry doing in making sure there is good balance between men and women? I don't women? think there's any balance. And I actually, you know, I'm not joining these talks for women talks and female yeah. supportive. Because I, I mean, I'm a woman, that's quite clear. That's yeah. by birth. Uh, but I think, you know, that's how it is. I mean, it's an industry which is male driven. And we know this, mm. like, you know, if I say male driven, it's not because I, you know, yes, there are more and more female coming in the industry yeah. and they also are very good designers. But I mean, I have a strong, as you said, I have a strong CV and I worked everywhere. I worked in, in corporates and I worked in uh, design studios and I also work on construction side. I have been a project manager and and, and, and I know how, how the industry is and how, how you have to be as a female. I think, first of all, to be and reach this position, you have to be better than the men that's one thing because otherwise you would not be where you are um, unfortunately that's a tough one to say um, but um, it's also um, the industry is very demanding on you but there are you know it's still a male-driven industry because if I look around all the corporates are still in, in, in male hands you know the, the people who decide on which project I get are mostly men you know, I mean, if I go in leading positions of a hotel chain or I look into big other um, uh, production industries or is it, I mean, whatever, DIFC, or, 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 there are more men. So, like, you know, I mean, if we say it's equal, no, it's not. So, and, and um, um, you know, and, and this kind of um, discussing this, blah, 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 because I'm female. You know, first of all, you're, you're intelligent, you have two hands and you have hopefully a, um, a functional brain, so that's equal. So you, you did your job, you studied, that's also the same. So for me, no difference. The only difference we have, and that's where the problem starts, is that female usually getting kids. And in our industry, having a child is a huge problem. So um, because we have demanding work hours, so, and if you want to take care of your children or your kids and you have these work hours, uh, that's a problem. And I mean, I got asked in my, in my um, career once um, uh, because I deleted my daughter from my CV. That's what you have to know. So I deleted her a um, long time ago from my CV. My daughter is now 16 years old. She knows this, that I deleted her. So I didn't mention her because if you as a man apply for a position, you will not need to mention your kids, right? So. So I thought the same. So if, I, if we are equal, I do not have to mention my child. Mm -hmm. Because in my work and daily professional life, my daughter has no impact because I work. Of course. So, and if I have to handle her differently with, I don't know, a nurse or a grandmother or friends who take care or whatever, it's my problem, not the problem of my um, employer. So um, that's why I took off. And then we had the discussion about this. And so in the meeting and in the conversation I also said like but stop would you ask this question to a man to one of my male colleagues and, and then they both looked at each other and they said no and I said okay so then we are done here so and I literally just stood up and left the conversation look and I think that's the big point and we still don't see properly in this conversation about um, gender equality and, and, and female empowerment and support I mean my my meanest bosses have been female 
to be honest. And I have a big problem with uh, my mentorships have been all men. Um, the industry is still very male driven. But in general, I think female under each other are not very supportive. So this kind of networking, as we know it from men, as we know when men, you know, they're going into clubs, they go golf playing, they support each other, they send you uh, specs uh, here and there and there. This is very rare in our industry as female. You know, we produce also products, you know, and, and we yes. do manufacture carpets and rugs and, and also for hotels and everything. So, but, you know, I'm in the industry and we produce quite well, I mean, like very high, high level products. We produce in Nepal and we also have a charity behind it. But I've never, now we do this since two years, I have not once received any requirement or specification sheet by any woman who claim in public they're supporting other females. You know, if I then see this and you ask me about um, uh, support and female empowerment, I do not think and I don't believe it's existing. So if you put this under your, I mean, wings to, to make you better looking and you put this, I don't know, on your values that you are the big female empowerment person, mm -hmm. I don't believe you. Because, you know, if there's some, I mean, sorry to say, but I don't think it's there. Right, so a lot of people put a strap line, but they actually yeah, do nothing. Yeah, it's nice. About it. I mean, it's a tagline you like because it's you. I mean, it's like upselling thing, right? It's like when you write on something, oh, it's without sugar or it's healthy. You know, like um, that's it's a new tagline. Uh, female empowerment. It's like the new tagline. You know, I'm, I don't know. I don't see it like this. I, I think it's not. As I said, I think it's not existing in the way the people making it um, look alike. I do not believe in it. I think it's really not because. Um, there's, uh, I mean, it, our industry, and you know this, it's, it's very much, it's very competitive. That's one thing. And uh, um, competition is, is very um, um, uh, tough. So, uh, and this guy, I mean, if you would say like a, a female empowerment, and then there are other female businesses like, uh, whatever, designing lights, uh, creating products, um, creating, I mean, which we do for others, right? You know, we have them in galleries, and, and then you would at least get a request for it. We got only once a request by one person, which is um, the office of Christine Nazanik for an artwork and, and for, for, for other things. So, but all the others, not. So, and if you say, look, I'm, I'm supporting female and, and you know there's someone starting and they have great products, why would you not require them or request them? On the same token, uh, taking what you said that a lot of people talk, 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 but eventually nothing happens. Yeah. How do you feel about sustainability, about the discussion about sustainability? Is that the same scenario? Mm, I think, you know, in our industry, I think sustainability, of course, it, it exists. I mean, we work with very genuine materials. That's one thing. That's already where, where, where sustainable starts, right? When you don't use massive amount of plastics. But also, on the, and, and we work with LED lighting. So, which also is like, you know, we try to reduce the impact. Uh, I mean, our footprint on the world um, as much as possible um, in, in terms of... Um, shipping and bringing in because we unfortunately do not have a production industry here in the UAE. It's a problem because we all know the moment I ship items, I have massive amount of wrapping, packing and also, I mean, bringing them in is either per sea or over air. 
So, and I mean, our industry also, when we fly and we go and see clients, I mean, now less than before, but, but now still, I mean, we're still traveling. It has a massive impact. I mean, I remember uh, two years ago when I came from Asia towards here once a month, that's a massive impact. It's not sustainable at all. Or flying to, to I mean, now we can start this again, flying to Saudi forward and backward. It's also, it's a footprint you leave. Um, I mean, we, we are um, working on a project uh, with a um, 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 corporation partner, which is, of course, very sustainable because we, we're working in the um, 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 yeah, um, energy business. Mm -hmm. So we um, have a, um, a corporation partner and for them we're developing um, the factory or the plant um, and they create energy out of trash. So that's another thing. I mean, that's for sure 100% sustainable because we, we're working on the um, huge pile of PET in the world. Um, but, but in general, I think our industry has an impact on, 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 on uh, sustainability and of course on, on our environment. I mean, we know uh, companies like Pedrali, they produce very green and, and they also uh, use solar energy with all their factories and things and, and stuff like this. But in general, as soon as you bring in items and they have to be shipped in and imported, you have an impact and it's not a good one. Since you are very, man, I love uh, your straight talking. Real straight talking, you know, no nonsense. You know, no nonsense, I don't know, no, I don't know where no you come time. from. No time for nonsense. I don't you know where you come from your 24 years experience or because you, you're a very proud German lady, you know, with a global experience. And, uh, yes. But uh, if I put a massive white canvas on yes. the top of Burj Khalifa, what message would you write on there? On the board of um, live the vision. Wow. Why is that? I first of all think it fits to a lot. It fits to every young um, designer or student or every young person that they have a vision in their life and they should always reach for it. Like you can never reach too high. Live your vision and also it's for me it's uh, UE is the perfect example. I think Sheikh uh, Mohammed and uh, all the others is like live the vision and they're the biggest example of a vision. I mean, think about how it was years ago, a flat desert, nothing in it. And they are the best example, live your vision, make it work. And I think that's exactly what people need to see. Like, as I said, like, you know, a CV looks great and it looks like it always went up. It didn't went always up. I had massive failure massive failure and I've been on the ground where you think like oh my god so and um, the one thing that always keeps you running is like um, stay honest stay true maybe don't no no nonsense talking there's no time for this in your life you should be always straightforward and you say always the truth to people like it's much easier you know you cannot uh, what did I said to them what did I said to them no why that's life is too short for this and live your vision. I think that's exactly what people should see. Young students, uh, a school kid, like, you know, you have a vision, you dream big, dream big. And there's nothing that can limit you. And if someone says you're not going to make it, go further. Because there will be a lot of people that tell you you're not going to make it. I got told this so often. And I can tell, I could even, I write lists of names of people and I, we literally overrun them all. I showed them, as you said, in a year, in less than a year of a project I designed at a pool because I had no office. Toplum has been designed only by me, literally, uh, next to a pool in Thailand. In a little sketchbook, I have this sketchbook still, it's called Toplum. So like, you know, but there's no limitation to your dreams. So, and I think live the vision is literally this, what it all stands for. And I think specific UE is incredible for it.
Vera, yes. it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you very much for having for me. Having it was a pleasure being here. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, hopefully we'll come back soon. Thank you so much. Thank, Thank you. you so much. Anytime. Thank you.